Jesus. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Jesus has something good for me today. We have an online Bible school starting in May. If you're interested in Bible school, we have an online Bible school with the, the other man you saw on the screen there, Dr. Peter, uh, who's with Global Awakening and also teaches at BSSM, Bethel Scott Supernatural School. So we got a really special, if you want some information on that, one of the easiest things to do is do the connection card because all that information goes out in the weekly email. Amen? All right. Got some good stuff. Action-packed Sunday. We're going to teach you the word. We're going to do some ministry. Pray for the sick. Huh? Do some little impartation. It was a lot of fun first service. Crazy good stuff. And uh, God's got something good for you to do. So I'm going to give you five reasons for hope that the resurrection brings. 2.3 billion people on the planet claim Jesus is Lord. It is the largest nation by far in the world. How in the world did a following begin with 360 people and spread throughout the globe to the level that it is? Two words, resurrection, power. Amen. Amen. Say this with me. Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to start a revolution of transformation, of restoration, of love, of power, of purpose, all of these things are true. Jesus came to earth to take our sin, and he came to die as us. He came for us, and he came to give his life for our sake and rose, and he proved it by rising from the dead. The Bible tells it in several different places. One in particular is 1 Corinthians, I think, chapter 15. says the witness of his resurrection was by 500 people. I don't know, that's a pretty good witness right there. 500 people saw him rise, the whole city saw him crucified, and so Christ came as us to die for us. He came as Savior, and he's risen again. Say this with me. Jesus is not one among many. He is the one and only. He doesn't share space with Buddha. He doesn't share space with Mohammed, or Ron Hubbard, Osha, uh, Deepak Chopra. Jesus is not equal in any regard. He's not one among many. He's the one and only. Amen? Come on. The Bible says that there is no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every, every tongue will confess. He's the one and only. I say it. There's one rock star and his name's Jesus. Eh? <laughs> it says this. Concerning Jesus Christ according to the flesh, he was born of the seed of David. Jesus, God came down. Everything else, every other religion is about man going up. Christianity is the only faith where God came down. It's not about ascension. It's not about good works. It's not about deeds. It's not about any of that. It's about the God who came down to save us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. A hopeless and a helpless and a fallen race. Destroyed through our own actions, our own inactions, sin corrupting us to the uttermost. Say, I don't believe that. Look at your life, right? We're functionally dysfunctional at best. Human beings are functionally dysfunctional at best. We're broken on every sphere, broken in every sphere of our lives. We need Jesus. He's the only one who can put Humpty Dumpty back together. He's the only one that can show us how things work and the way things work. You're not smart enough. You never will be. You're not talented enough. You never will be. Talent will fail you. Intellect will fail you. All of these things will fail you, but Jesus will never fail you. He calls you unto himself, and he asks you to come into an integrated relationship with him. And out of that integrated relationship with him, you're not only saved, but your life transforms. This is the power of the gospel. 
Every event in history is dated off of this resurrection. B.C., A.D., split down the middle. Christ is the center of it all. So five reasons for hope. Number one, say it with me. I can be completely forgiven. Let's try it. You can be completely forgiven. See, man thinks he can do it through his works. God told the prophet Jeremiah, though you wash yourself with much lye and you use much soap, yet your iniquity remains. In other words, you can't cleanse yourself of your problem. It's there. You can scrub, 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 wash it away, wish it away, bury it away, excuse it away, but it's still there. It's still there. Iniquity is what condemns us all. Every person in this room, say this with me, because this was healthy last week, so we can might as well say it this week. Say it. There's no such thing as race in the Bible. We all come from one race. We're a human race. Yeah, you can help me. The Bible uses the word ethnos. It never uses the word race. Ethnos means where we get the word ethnic from, and it just means different. Different. All of us are born of Adam. Every single person in this room. I don't care if you're Puerto Rican, Irish, Dominican. I don't know. Pick your flavor. I mean, in Miami, we got a lot of flavors. So just pick whatever. Pistachio, you know, Rocky Road. I mean, it doesn't matter. We all come from a common source. We're all born of Adam. Adam sinned. The Bible uses the word haramatia, and it means to push away. You have haramatano, to miss the mark. That's another word for sin. And you have haramatia, which means to offend. The word offend means to push away. Adam, our ancestor, yours and mine, pushed, at, pushed God away. And he didn't push God away. He shoved against God, and Adam fell. Adam didn't move God. He moved himself. In pushing God away, he went backwards, and Humpty Dumpty fell and shattered on the ground. And what Adam received within himself is iniquity. Say it with me. Iniquity is issues in the bloodline. Yeah. All of us have the iniquity in Adam in us because we're all born of the seed and the blood of Adam. That's why in Christ, come on, Christian, you must be born by the blood of... You see the difference? We have to be... Jesus came as the last Adam. He came to bring us out of the curse of the first Adam the condemnation of the first Adam, the lostness of the first Adam, and that in being born again by the blood of Jesus, we come out from under sin and the condemnation of sin, and we come into Christ and eternal life and forgiveness. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. God doesn't judge man. He's judged sin. And so long as you're under sin, you're under judgment. What is the sin? There's only one sin that condemns man. All the other sins just jack your life up. But there's only one sin that condemns us, and it's the denial of Christ as Lord. That is the sin that leads unto death, the Bible says. All the other sins are dysfunctional. They lead to chaos and calamity, but the sin that condemns man is a refusal to commit his life to Jesus Christ. It tells us that. Let's see if I have it. Oh, here it is. It's right here. For God did not send into his world, son into the world to condemn it, but the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come on a condemnation mission. He didn't come on a judgment mission. Second time around, different story. He who believes in Christ is not condemned. But, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already. You see, God doesn't condemn them. You're already under condemnation. That's why he's called Savior. He comes to save you. From what? The condemnation of the iniquity that you were born in. One of the true aspects of sin is blindness. Blindness. Man doesn't even know. We're so lost, we don't even know we're lost. We're so broken, we don't even know we're broken. Lostness is normal to us. Brokenness is normal to us. That's why when people become born again, they're illuminated and they're like, whoa, I didn't even know I was in darkness. Now I'm in light, right? It's a transformative power. 
through the faith in Jesus Christ. He who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the only man or the only one or the only God that can save him. Born into the bloodline of Adam must be condemned, must be born again. In Christ we are set free by the blood of his death, and so we have the forgiveness of sins because of, God, because of the richness of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 1. Forgiveness is in Christ alone. Number one hope for Easter. Number one, you can be forgiven. You can come out of darkness and into light. Everybody dies. The end of every life is death. The Bible says man's eternal. We're eternal. We don't want to be eternal, or we don't, we don't think we're eternal, or sometimes you think you're eternal, but man is an eternal being. What happens is our bodies will die, but our spirit will live on forever. Hebrews said it is appointed for man to die once and then to stand before judgment. Judgment, what will be the basis of our judgment? The basis of the judgment uh, it will be upon what did you do with my son? That's the basis of the judgment. The believer doesn't even go before a white throne. The unbeliever goes before what's called a white throne, a judgment throne. Those who are in Christ go to another throne called the Bema seat, the rainbow throne. I call it the disco throne. Disco light around Jesus. Beautiful rainbow light flowing around. Party on. And he says, and what he's rewarding, he rewards the believer based upon their service to him. They inherit eternal life. If you're a Christian, you will inherit eternal life. Eternal life in his kingdom is yours by faith. But that stand in that judgment is because the examination of your life based upon your willingness to integrate and follow him. That's what you will be rewarded upon. There's no condemnation to the believer, Romans 8, 1. But if you don't know Christ, you go before a judgment seat, a white throne, not the place you want to be. So when these people have near-death experience and they're like, I was going towards the white light. I'm always cautious about that. Yeah? And they're like, oh, I was going towards all these colors and these rainbows. I'm like, that's the one you want to be going towards. You want to be traveling towards the, the, the rainbow throne. And if you're not in Christ, you can come to Jesus today. So it's all about Easter is all about the one who paid a price for you that you cannot pay, the one who took your place, but you must receive and you must embrace. You have to stand apart from it. You cannot stand apart from it. We're born in the bloodline of Adam. Man is condemned, right? Second thing is, is your love with an everlasting love. You can be forgiven in your love with an everlasting love. You are loved. God so loved. Say it with me. God so loved. He gave his son. The monogonosh, that's what the word son means. We translate it as son, but it means one and only. That's what it means. It's not son as we understand him. It means one and only. The father so loved man, he gave the one and only. The one and only. In other words, there's no one like Jesus. He's the eternal one. The monogonosh, he's incomparable. The incomparable one came for you. What? Exactly. The treasure of heaven. You are, you are loved with an everlasting love. Say this with me. Love, love. In, the Bible in the Bible means to seek the highest good. It's important when we talk about love and the context of love when we're talking about the scripture because to love to us is an emotion. It's a feeling. You know, we lose that love and feeling. It's gone, gone, gone. You know what I'm talking about, right? We lose that from time to time, but love in God's eyes is not a feeling. It's an intention. The Bible says he sets his love on you. He determines in his heart to set his love on you. He's not having an emotional experience about you. He wills to love you. And what is the will of his love? To seek your highest good. So what does this mean? God so sought the highest good of mankind that he sent the one and only. The only, the, the only good, the, the highest good for these people is for them to come out of darkness. The highest good for this race is to come out of darkness and to be forgiven and be restored back to the family. That's what love does. Love seeks the highest good. 
Love's not having an emotional breakdown, sharing tears, or having a, you know, ooh, you know, this mushy love. That's all fine. That's the emotion of love, but that's not the truth of love. Love by nature is a verb. It's an action. It's not even a feeling, right? So God's love, your love with an everlasting love. God loves you. You say, I don't know Jesus. You know what the Bible tells you? If you don't know Christ, he says, you are loved from afar. He is looking at you. You're here today because Jesus is reaching for you. You are here this morning and you don't know Christ because God is giving you an opportunity to embrace the gospel message. That's how much he loves you. You say, my friend invited me. Exactly. Exactly. Because your friend loves you, cares for you, in a sense of they seek the good that is necessary for you. You're in love with an everlasting love. First Ephesians 4, chapter 1, verse 6, to the praise and glory of his grace who makes us accepted in the beloved. When you come to Christ, you are accepted in beloved. Your cat don't love you. Your dog don't love you sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I always tell the story of this cat I used to feed, this one-eyed cat. She was a little gimpy. She had a scar and she was a yard cat. She came with the place, you know what I mean? We inherited this cat. And so I would feed her. I would nurture her. And she was a female, so I, tried to find, I looked online to try to find the name of a pirate because she looked like a pirate, you know, because she had one eye. So we called her Bonnie because there's a famous pirate named Bonnie, you know. And I would feed this cat and feed this cat and as soon as Sherry would walk out in the yard, it was like she had stars in her one eye. She would just twinkle at Sherry. And everywhere Sherry went, my wife, she would just follow that, follow my wife around. My wife would be sitting on the chair outside. The cat would come up to her, and I'm looking at her. I'm like, yeah, really? What? You know, I feed you. So sometimes the cat doesn't love you. Sometimes the cat doesn't show you the affection that you want. My wife doesn't always love me. I, I do things that cause her to lose that love and feeling. Yes, it's true. She comes around, though, but there are moments in time where she loses the loving feeling towards me, and she feels like, I don't want to divorce you, but I definitely want to kill you right now. <laughs> but Jesus, not for one moment, not for one hour, not for one day, ever stops loving me, and he never stops loving you. And his heart for you is to welcome you to himself. And if you're a son and daughter and you know the Lord, his heart for you is to know him more is to align your life with him and to integrate your life with his kingdom. Amen. To the Christian, this is why your Christianity is dysfunctional, because you live a misaligned, non-integrated life. You do it your way. I call it Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. You know what I mean? A lot of Christians do Christianity their way. They do it the way they want. The Bible says, seek first and what is right to him, and then all things come. Right? We want all things from our Father to come, but we fail on the, point, on the point of where we seek first what is his kingdom, his dominion, his rulership, his reign, and righteousness, what is right to him. We're not seeking what is right to him. We seek what is right to us. You can be saved and born again, but this is where all the dysfunction is. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because God's judging you or anything like that. You're misaligned and you're not integrated. Your life is to be integrated. In him we live, move, and have our being. Got it? Romans says, I'm certain that neither life nor death, nor things high and things low, whatever, all of the things that he's talking about here will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He loves you. He loves you when you know him. He loves you when you don't. And if he loves you so much when you know him, nobody loves you like Jesus. Right? If you're a non-believer and you've never given your life to Christ, my question is why? What, what are you waiting for? You waiting for a better offer? Right? Some of y'all, you've been living for a long time. Have you seen what has your life produced? Really? And you still don't want to give your life to Christ? Seriously? Anyway, another story. Jesus, isn't the, Jesus is the offer you don't refuse. There's no offer like it. 
He is the offer. So the third thing, the third reason for hope this Easter is you have access to power. Say it with me. Power. power. That's right. Power to live, power to overcome, power to reset, power to renew. Jesus told his disciples, wait till you get power. Don't do anything until you're endowed with power. Anybody here have a toaster? Anybody got a toaster? Nobody's got a toaster, right? Wow, this is pretty good, yeah? <laughs> if you have a toaster and you drop, two, you drop a bagel in there and you push the lever down, but you don't have it plugged into power, is anything going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. It's all wishful thinking. We have to have power. The essence of this gospel is power. The essence of this gospel is the Holy Spirit and the power that he gives to us. This is the idea. Power to start over. Every day, anybody golf? Anybody golf? Any golfers? Golfers? Yeah? All right. Not only does Marcus have a toaster, he also golfs. This is good. <laughs> He's two for two, right? So in golf, they have something called a mulligan. You ever heard of a mulligan? Yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying? You, you, you get up to the line, and you give it your best hit, and it goes off into the trees or goes off into the water. You can go, mulligan, and you get to hit it again. Every day with Jesus, every morning with Jesus is a mulligan. Bible says his mercy is new every morning. You get a mulligan every single morning. You say, you don't know what I did. I'm like, you don't know what he did, right? Like, I, you don't know what I did last night. I'm like, you don't know what he did at Calvary, man, right? Every day's a mulligan. He has new mercy for you every morning. And it's, you know, we learn through stupid mistakes and you can keep learning and he'll just keep letting you do that. You know, if you learned anything now, Kevin, no, I got about 10 more rounds on this. Okay, when you've learned, let me know. He'll keep giving you that reset. He'll keep giving you that opportunity. People say, that's, it's, that's too good to be true. I want you all to say it with me. It's so good. It is true. That's right. It's not too good to be true. It's so good it is true. He's good. Say it with me. The Lord is better than I think. He's more loving than I think. He's good beyond what I think. Therefore, I must change the way I think. That's right. You have to change the way you think because he's better than you think. He's more kind. He's more loving. He's more just. He's more generous. He's more merciful. He's more powerful than you think. Therefore, be transformed by the renewing your mind. Change the way you think, Christian. You have access to power. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you'll be my witnesses. And here's Paul in Ephesians. In Ephesians, Paul is talking, the writer of Paul, the Gospels, is writing to the Ephesian church, and his prayer for this church is that they would understand what they have been given. It's beyond salvation. Look, something like this. Jesus invites you into his kingdom. You enter the Father's house. You enter the mansion, upon mansions, and beyond the mansion is the realms and the dominions of the everlasting. Most Christians walk through the door of salvation, and they stand in the foyer, Right? The foyer, of the, the foyer in this life, everybody's just standing in the foyer because we just came through on salvation. We've never explored nor have we gone deeper into the things of our Father. We've never explored nor have we gone deeper into the things of this kingdom. We haven't tested, pulled on, pursued, whatever, the promises of God. And so we all stand huddled at the, huddled at the, at the, at the foyer of a beautiful house. This is transforming power on every level, spirit, soul, and body, right? You have access to a greater reality, this is a lesser reality. This is a lower reality. What's Jesus' prayer? On earth as it... Right, right. The Father's will is that that reality rule this reality. That that reality rule the reality. Is there poverty in heaven? You think poverty is God's will? Uh -uh. Poverty is not God's will. 
Poverty's not God's will. Nowhere. The only thing poverty is attractive to are people who aren't in it. It's not it. Jesus has an interest in money. He has a, his problem is self-interest. His problem is narcissism, which is most of the problems with Christianity, is narcissism. Another story, another day. You have access to power. You have access to purpose. Say this. I'm made, I'm made. On, purpose. on purpose with a purpose. Anybody here feel they have a purpose in life, right? What happens when we're kids, we feel like it. When we're teenagers, we feel like then we get adults and life just beats us down. You're like, I don't know, man. I don't know. We lose sense of that meaning and that purpose. But the truth is, is that everyone is created on purpose and the purpose. Say, what does God think of me? He tells you, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Come on, say it with me. Plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Right? Plans to give me hope and a future. This is, your, this is God's plan for you, to bring you to himself, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Valley of Acors, famous story in the Bible. Israel had rebelled and rejected and denied God, didn't want anything to do with God. And now because they had pushed God away, the circumstances of their life had enslaved them. And they were calling out to the Lord. And the Lord said, I will visit her, speaking of his people, in the valley. And I will speak kindly to her. And I will open for her a door of hope in the valley of Achor. They didn't deserve it. They were doing everything possible. They were working against the Lord. They were denying the Lord. They were doing all kinds of crazy stuff that they didn't want to do, nor did they do. And it's not, it's, not about, it's not about externals, Christian. It's about internals. The way this kingdom works is it's inside out, right? Somehow we think it's outside in. We don't smoke, drink, or chew or hang out with those that do, and we think that's what makes us righteous. That's not what makes you righteous, a pure heart before the Lord and allowing that pure heart and that honor and that worship of God to become the ruling faction of your life, that the inner world would rule the outer world and that everything that is in the inner world would begin to dominate the outer world. The inner identity is a son. I'm a son. I'm not making that choice. I'm an heir. I'm not making that choice. I'm not hanging out with those people. I'm not going to those places and I'm not doing those things. Why? Because it's external righteousness? No, because I know what I am and I know who I am. The inner world must rule the outer world. This is this gospel. This is this kingdom. We begin in power. We have access to purpose, right? Made by Jesus, made for Jesus. And until you figure that out, life will never make sense. Never make sense. If you're a non-believer, you're, you're a ship without a rudder. You're adrift in a sea of storms. If you're a Christian, you're going to keep trying and keep trying and trying, and you're going to find that it's dysfunctional until you learn to align and integrate with what he wants. It's the way it is, right? Paul prayed that their eyes would be open. He prayed that they would understand what they would have been given, that you may understand the hope of what, the, of what God has called you to. You have access to promise, right? So this is the fifth reason why Easter brings us hope. You have access to promise. The believer, right? So you're a Christian, you have access to things that no one else does. You have access to the Holy Spirit, the living power of God. You have access through the Holy Spirit to the mind of God, to a wisdom that surpasses all the wisdom of this earth, to a, a, the ability to have revelation and understanding and how to have the mind of that that helps you figure out every circumstance you've ever been in. Jesus has got away. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You ask the Lord for it, start praying, you get in the spirit, all of a sudden God gives you wisdom and you're like, where'd that come from? Right? You have a revelation, you have an understanding, you have an impulse, a direction. God gives you that. You have access to promises. The Bible says without Christ, you are outsiders to the commonwealth of God's people. You see, Jesus has a commonwealth. To the believer, you have an inheritance. All of us have an inheritance. The inheritance is the Holy Spirit. The inheritance is his name. Right? Jehovah Rapha is his name, Christian. So that means healing's your inheritance. Jehovah, Jehovah Saboeth, the God of the angel armies. That means heavenly protection belongs to you. Right? Jehovah Jireh. We all know what that one means. That's right. That's your inheritance. He's not promised to provide for the unbeliever, but he has promised to provide for his people. I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread, David said. He provide for you. Purpose and destiny is another level, but we all have a commonwealth. The commonwealth is the Holy Spirit and the commonwealth is his name. The first commonwealth is Jesus. You know what it means? Or Yeshua, Yahweh saves. So we come to Christ and we are given the wealth of his name, salvation in his name. We come to Christ and we're given an inheritance in his name. He's Jehovah Rohi. It means he's a shepherd. What's that mean? He's going to guide you. He's going to walk beside you. He's going to carry a big stick. And if you start to, to strike all the things that want to eat you, right? You, anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? There's some things in this life that want to eat you, right? There's financial situations that want to eat you, right? Can I, can I get a witness here? End it all, right? And God carries a big stick to smack away the things that want to eat his people. And he carries a shepherd's staff to kind of pull you back. Let's get you back in here. Let's just rein you in, right? <laughs> pulling you out of relationships, pulling you out of circumstances, pulling you out of situations that are not healthy for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. He leads you through the valley of the shadow of death. He's with you. He's Jehovah Rohi. It's your inheritance. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. But without Christ, you're, not, you're excluded from that commonwealth. To the Christian, you need to understand the commonwealth. I shared this first service. I've got a few minutes, and we're going to swip into we do some cool stuff here today. Anybody Disney Vacation Club members at all? Anybody? Anybody at all? A couple of you, right? Have you ever read The Plan? You read it cover to cover? No? Okay. I have a friend. I have two friends. They're both Disney Vacation Club members, you know? I, I know D Disney's a controversial topic right now. I get that. But, you know, everybody's like, man, this guy's going to talk about Disney. This guy's going to talk about Disney, man. Anyway, anyway, so my friends, two of my friends had uh, uh, Disney vacation plans. The one guy kind of flipped through it. Yeah, this cool Disney vacation plan. My other friend, this bro, he read it from cover to cover. He knew everything. Every little bullet, every little divot, we'd be, he'd take us to the park, and he'd go up to the whatever, the manager, and say, hey, I'm a vacation club member. And he said, oh, they're going to know. He said, according to the plan, I'm supposed to get free hot dogs at 1230 in the afternoon. Where's my free hot dogs? And the lady would be like, oh, okay, you know, well, you know just go, okay, going to go over here and get your free hot dogs. And then 11 o'clock at night, we get free cocoa, right? It was all these little, little perks that would happen. We'd get extra access. And I was telling my other friend, I said, man, don't you know about it? He's like, man, how do, you, how do you know all this? I said, well, my friend had a vacation plan and he read a benefit package. He was aware of what was in the benefit package. Christian, are you aware of what's in the benefit package? Yeah. Are you aware of the promises? Are you aware of what belongs to you? Are you aware of the inheritances that are yours? Are you? Are you? So the Bible says there's a commonwealth. We've given, Peter says, great and precious promises that we, through the promises we draw from his nature. He's not making promises just to hear himself talk. 
He's making promises to dare you to believe him. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Another story, another day. You have access to the, to the promises. Without Christ, you are a stranger to the commonwealth of God's people. You have no access to the covenants, and you have no access to the promises. You don't. But in Christ, you do. <laughs> and without Jesus, the Bible says you're without hope in the world. But in Christ, you who are afar off, he brings you near. This is what's beautiful about Jesus. We're adopted into his family. We're made sons and daughters. We're not taken in as stepchildren and given a bedroom on the backside of the house. And the Lord says, when you earn it, you can come through. That's not the case at all. He adopts you as sons and daughters. And you know what he gives you? Full rights of inheritance on day one. Full rights of inheritance on day one. You're sons and daughters of the highest in Christ. You say, I don't look like it. Doesn't matter. You say, I don't act like it. Doesn't matter. You are. God calls what is not as though it were. He calls you who and what you are long before you get there. Right? This is who you are to him. And he'll say, Kevin, you're a son. Why do you act like that? Kevin, you're a son. Is this who you are? Your choices don't align up with your identity. You, you, you get the picture? This, but how he sees us, he sees us as sons and daughters on day one. It takes us a long time. Some Christians never get it. They never get it. Never understand it. Never understand it. The inner world must master the outer world. Another story, another day. You were once off or brought near. Resurrection is all about the God who came down, the God who died for us, the God who gave his life for us. This word salvation means it's a Greek word called sozo. Say it with me. Saved, healed, and delivered. It's a comprehensive plan. <laughs> Saved from what? Sin, condemnation, destruction. Healed of what? Healed of the brokenness and the lingering aspects of a life you no longer own. Delivered from what? I don't know. Pick something. Delivered from darkness. Delivered from destruction. Delivered from people, places, and things. I don't know. Devils. Can we go there? This is... <laughs> Got a few amens on that one. But it's your inheritance. It's your inheritance. The greatest gift and the greatest, the greatest of all miracles. And we're going to pray for miracles. See, we don't want to just talk to you about resurrection power. We want to demonstrate it. And so we're going to have a ministry team here in a minute, and they're going to come up. We're going to pray. They're going to need word. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray for impartation if you need healing, if you need hope, if you need restoration. We'll have a ministry team up front here. I want to see it. I told you, the woman from fibromyalgia, last service. I, you know, I prayed for three people with autoimmune diseases. And the only one that had any demonstrable effects got up and walked right up to their chair. She couldn't even walk. They were practically carrying her to me. I'm not going to be the one praying. I'm praying on specific things, so don't look at me. Look at the, look at the team up here and listen to what they're, they're doing. But we're going to pray for you because we believe in the power of the resurrection. This is salvation. This is healing. This is wholeness in every way. And we're going to pray for you this morning. But if you don't know Jesus, the greatest of all miracles is that you come to know Christ. And so we're going to pray a prayer. The Bible says this. Romans, this is what it's based on. This is this constitutes. This is the legal standard for salvation. The legal standard for salvation is not your good works. It says if you confess the Lord Jesus with your, heart, with your mouth and you believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead, you'll be saved. That's the legal standard. That's the threshold. For with the heart one applies faith to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made. It's believing in your heart. Right, Dave? Sure. Right? So Dave, perform right here. Known him for years. I met Dave. I'll tell you Dave's story. Right? Dave's story. Right? 
<laughs> no? <laughs> I'm not going to tell all your stories, Dave, because you probably got some crazy ones. I met Dave through a bunch of friends that were coming here, guys that were coming here, and they were very concerned about Dave because Dave just used to like to hang out with church, but he would never give his life to Jesus. And this went on for a couple of years. And so they're coming to me, and like, Pastor, you got to meet this guy. You know, this guy, he just doesn't want to give his life to Jesus. And I think, you know, we think, you know, he's just playing around. He just likes hanging out in church. I'm like, all right, I'll meet this guy. And so I go to lunch with him with it, and one of the friends, and we go to Lost and Found Saloon, right? My friend of ours owned a little cafe called Lost and Found Saloon. So sitting there at the Lost and Found Saloon, I'm going back and forth, listening to Dave, trying to figure out what's going on with him. And I realize the guy, he, he believes, but he doesn't understand. And he's like, yeah, I believe. But man, this is, I don't understand this. This is like fairies to me. This is like gnomes. You know, this is just like a fairy tale to me. This is how he was talking. And I told him, you do not have to understand in order to believe. The standard is not understanding. The standard is belief. It's the word pistas, and it means to embrace from the heart. You get on an airplane. Do you understand how that airplane flies? No, you do not. But you have faith that that airplane's taking you where it wants to go, where it's going to go, or you wouldn't get on it. But you don't understand dynamics of an airplane. You don't understand aerodynamics, lift and thrust, turbine, all that other stuff. You don't understand, uh, what is it, time and space, nautical miles, which is how planes navigate the earth. They navigate by, you, anybody here understand nautical miles? A couple of you probably, well, I do, you know, but it's pretty intense science just on understanding nautical miles and how the planes navigate. You don't understand all that. But you get on that plane, heading to Boston, and you expect that plane to land in Boston. You have faith in something you don't understand. The standard, Christian, and the standard for those who don't believe is not understanding. It's belief. It's belief from the heart. So we're going to pray a prayer. We're gonna, everybody here is going to pray the prayer. We're going to offer it off to the people out there watching us by live stream. And here's the deal. If you've never given your life to Christ, today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your heart. Why? Because nobody's, nobody's guaranteed a second opportunity to hear the gospel. Don't harden your heart. Today's the day. Not tomorrow. Not I'll think about it. Jesus is Lord. Give your life to him today. We're going to pray together as a family. Everybody's going to pray together. God can do many things, but the one thing he cannot do is open your heart. He cannot open your heart. You are the only one who has the capacity to open your heart and to embrace it. It has to be an act of will, right? Mankind left God by an act of will. We must return to him by an act of will. We, we declared ourselves God, went our own way. Now we must come back and declare, I am not God, Lord, you are. That's why we call Jesus Lord. It means I'm not God, you are, right? 40-second prayer, life-changing prayer. I dare you, go all in, open your heart. And receive from Jesus. So if you don't know, you don't know you're born again. You think you were. You know. You remember Grandma taking you to church a few times when you were younger. Maybe you signed a paper. You got confirmed. None of that stuff counts. It doesn't count. Men do not have the ability to confirm your your salvation. Only the Holy Spirit does. He becomes the seal upon the heart. He says, "I stand at the door and knock. If you open your heart, see there we have it again. You have to open your heart. If you open your heart, I will come in. Yeah, I will breathe life in you. So if you're here this morning." You're watching us, I dare you. We're all going to pray together. So just follow me. I'll lead you down the road. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior. And I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. So I open my heart to you, Jesus.
And I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, come on. Here's the rub, guys. If you, don't, if, you don't know, if you don't have a church, you need to connect to a church. When a child is born, you don't leave it on the street. The church at its essence is a family. It's brothers and sisters nurturing and caring for one another. So if you're giving your life to Christ and you don't have a church, you're welcome here. If, you, if you're a disconnected Christian and you're just kind of church hopping and banging around all the place, you need to commit and connect somewhere. You're welcome to commit and connect here. Elevates a family. We do things on purpose. We have very intentional ways that we do things, but we love God in all our hearts and we go all in. So you need a church, you need to get involved in a church, you need to grow. The Bible says, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You must grow. Amen? So, amen. Amen. Amen.